You're listening to the Digital Transformation Series podcast with Howard Tierski, CEO and founder of From, the Digital Transformation Agency. Today, we're talking about one of five barriers to innovation in large enterprises. Let's get started. We are just a few weeks away from the front end of Innovation Conference, where I'll be speaking about the five challenges that companies face in digital transformation. The first challenge we already talked about in video one, which was the discomfort and resistance to change felt by many people in large organizations. The barrier we focused on in the second video was enterprises not having a sufficiently deep level of customer insight for projects to be successful. Today, let's talk about the third barrier large enterprises often face when approaching digital transformation or other types of large-scale innovation, which is insufficient tolerance for risk. Do you struggle to get the kind of support you need to transform your company's products or services or marketing for this changing world? Do you sometimes find that there's a willingness to fund relatively incremental improvements with fairly predictable short-term results, but a lack of readiness to place big bets on transformational change? For many companies, it seems a lot less risky to just stay in the areas they're comfortable than to venture out into the unknown. So, are they right? Is it risky to transform your enterprise? Sure. Something could go wrong. Things might not work out. You might misstep. In fact, you probably will. But when the world is changing, not changing is even riskier. Here's the good news. CEOs and those managing business units understand a lot about risk. It could be argued that managing risk is their main job, deciding where to invest so as to get the biggest upside with the lowest risk of downside. And in the public market, they know that if someone offers them a stock with supposedly huge returns and zero risk of downside, that it's time to run the other way. Innovation risk can be thought of in some ways as similar to equity investing. Success comes from good insights into the market, such as comes from understanding your customers' needs and current trends, combined with a portfolio approach, so you're never placing all your bets on one horse. Because just like you can't really predict what's going to happen with any one stock, you can never be absolutely certain what the outcome will be of any one innovative product. Success comes from a well-managed portfolio. Our jobs as innovators and change agents is to communicate this risk profile in a way that the risks make solid business sense. And second, to then structure the approach to the individual innovation or transformation efforts to keep the risk as low as possible. Once you have alignment on the idea that some level of risk is necessary and appropriate, a key to gaining confidence from senior management is to show that you are envisioning the different types of risk that your efforts will face and developing smart remediation strategies. So let's get specific. We think about five different categories of risk when we plan transformational projects at my company from. The first type of risk that we always think about is implementation risk. You could have a great idea, but fail to pull it off. For example, the technology could fail, the manufacturing process could produce too many defects, or the cost might be way higher than anticipated. Implementation failures are generally the result of the unforeseen. The best antidote is having a sufficiently diverse team representing all the critical areas of risk, such as IT, manufacturing, marketing, and customer support. 
And then this cross-functional team needs to collaborate really effectively together. We often facilitate in-depth workshops with, which the, with these types of diverse teams to explore areas of risk early on in a project and develop remediation strategies. And even more importantly, simplify. By using the concept of the minimum viable product where less ambitious, less expensive launches lead to the more sophisticated ones, you can significantly reduce the complexity of bringing the product to market and therefore the implementation risk. You want to create the expectation anyway that innovation efforts are iterative test and learn processes. Management would prefer to hear that you are 100% confident that the very first steps of this digital transformation will be massively and immediately successful. But don't fall into that trap of making that promise. In fact, one of the biggest impacts of this insufficient tolerance of risk problem is not necessarily the unwillingness to fund innovative projects at the outset, but the unwillingness to continue supporting them if they're not successful. Microsoft is famous for developing 1.0 products that are terrible, but by version 10, their products often dominate the market. And frankly, too often, we become aware of innovative products once they become wildly successful. But that can be misleading. Usually when you look at the history, you see that these products have been improving and iterating over a long period of time. And actually, that leads us to the second area of risk, which is the risk of adoption failure. Even if your product is executed perfectly according to its vision, there's always the risk that customer reaction will be less favorable than anticipated. Most recent successful innovations, especially in the digital space, are stories of many rounds of betas that tested customer reactions and iterated forward, sometimes substantially shifting focus. For example, eBay started out as a website for trading collectible Pez dispensers. Facebook started out as a uh, dating site. And Flickr started out as an online role-playing game. The third risk of failure is disintermediation or cannibalization. It's actually one of several examples of failure by success. By cannibalization, we mean the risk, for example, that a new digital channel in its success could take money away from another area of the company's business, for example, its offline channels. And disintermediation is basically cannibalizing from your partners or distributors by selling direct, and as a result, you might cause them to have less business through your products and perhaps retaliate in another area of the business relationship. Tim Cook recently shared Apple's philosophy about new products cannibalizing their pre-existing product lines, which is that he figures that if Apple doesn't do it, someone else will, and so they might as well embrace it. And clearly, the iPhone cannibalized the iPod, and the iPad is doing the same to notebook computers. And when it comes to similar concerns about business relationships with distributors and retailers, or whatever the equivalent might be in your industry, frankly, this was more of an issue 10 years ago. And for most industries today, there's a wide recognition that there's going to be little exclusivity of distribution and that competing with the direct sales of the manufacturer is probably inevitable. The main principle here is just to ensure a level playing field so that your, if your partners play their role effectively in the overall customer buying life cycle, that they still have ample opportunity to succeed. Now, the fourth category of risk is arguably another success scenario. When your new innovation starts to gain success, 
there's the possibility that it will result in the company becoming the target of lawsuits or that the government might interpret that the innovation violates some perhaps fuzzy law or regulation. Obviously, on the one hand, appropriate legal advice is needed for anything we do in business. But in my experience, the bigger problem is this. Anytime we chart new waters, it's often unclear what the legal ramifications are. Airbnb and Uber are constantly fighting legal battles while their valuation has climbed to the tens of billions of dollars. When Google launched, they faced legal challenges as to whether it was even legal for them to index websites belonging to other companies. The reality is, when you're blazing new ground, some legal uncertainty is par for the course. And attorneys are often asked to focus on protecting the company from all risk. It's important that they be brought onto the innovation train to understand that our goal is not to avoid risk. It's to take intelligent risk. The fifth and final category of risk is the risk of the perception of failure. Successful innovation requires experiments, wrong turns, learning, and persistence. There's always the risk that some who don't have a knowledgeable mindset about innovation will judge the projects or their leaders as failures because there's always going to be failure as part of the innovation process. Nobody likes to be perceived as a failure. And so this risk creates emotional barriers to commitment to innovation. And in the political world of the enterprise, as well as the psychology-driven world of stock prices, perception can become reality. So it's critical that the right expectations are set in advance about innovation projects, their time frame and expectations for return, and the portfolio approach that not everything is going to be successful. Also, companies that are successful at innovation create cultures that reward those following a diligent innovation process and don't punish the natural failure that comes as part of innovation, especially when it's accompanied by useful learning. Risk in the end should be calculated, of course, and not all risks are worth taking. But the key question is not whether anything bad might happen. But like any investment, the potential return needs to be weighed against the potential risk. And we'll never know for certain when we start whether the rosy projections associated with the project's business case will really come true. The best we can do is make intelligent forecasts, apply iterative and collaborative processes driven by customer research, and maintain a portfolio of initiatives so that all our hopes are never on only one idea. Innovators should be sure management understands that yes, there is risk that the ROI will not be achieved. And certainly the time frame of the return on investment may be unclear. However, in these changing times, failure to fund transformational initiatives simply leads to another kind of risk. Also, one that I like to abbreviate ROI, which is the risk of irrelevance. I'll leave you with this famous quote by Teddy Roosevelt that I think applies here. Far better is it to dare mighty things, to win glorious triumphs, even though checkered by failure, than to rank with those poor spirits who live in the gray twilight that knows not victory nor defeat. So let's work together to keep your company out of that gray twilight. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of the Digital Transformation Series podcast with Howard Tiersky. Want more information? Find us online at www.from.digital or follow Howard on Twitter at twitter.com slash Tiersky.